This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Lawmakers in Springfield are considering a bill that would abolish the lower minimum wage for tipped workers in Illinois. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Back in October, Chicago became the largest city in the U.S. to put a similar law on the books. But now, tipped workers in Illinois, outside of Chicago, earn $8.40 an hour. Minimum wage for everyone else in the state is $14 an hour. I sat down with people with different perspectives on the issue. Audra Wilson is president and CEO of the Shriver Center on Poverty Law. She supports the plan. And Maria Ponce is the owner of three Taquito brand restaurants in Lincoln Park, Wicker Park, and the West Loop. He has concerns about the approach. Audra starts with clarifying what we mean when we say sub-minimum wage workers. We're talking about the wage that's paid to service industry employees, so the, the people who are reliant upon tips, so wait staff, bartenders, and food delivery workers. And the assumption is that consumers would cover the difference um, uh, to put the employees at that formal minimal wage, uh, so the combination of their tips plus that base salary. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges, though, and a lot of people don't understand, is the, the origins of minimum or is the sub-minimum wage and the fact that this actually has a legacy in slavery. You're talking about where um, from emancipation when it was with the Pullman porters and in the restaurant industry, um, as it was at the time, that was able to pay freed slaves at a a wage, a lower wage, and the tips that they would receive on top of that would put them at a, you know, at the time, a livable wage. But that's problematic for for many reasons. Um, Number one, we know that there's no other part of the world where we're reliant upon tips as we do in the United States. Tips are meant to be for good service. And that is, so there is, people are paid wages that they deserve to be paid, Mm -hmm. but tips are to show the good service. And that is something that has always and historically been on top of that, except in this country, where we've been using it to be as a supplement. And then you also have to think about the disproportionate impact it has on many of low wage workers, because in the restaurant um, sector, you're talking about many uh, women, uh, people of color, who are entirely reliant upon these tips um, to be able to survive and to right. have a wage that they can feed their families. Yeah, we're, we're talking about uh, a, a wage covering everyone from waiters to bartenders to bussers to bellhops, right? Do you think that there are any sort of jobs that should remain tipped positions with a lower minimum wage? No, I don't. I think that people do work and they should be paid for the value of the work that they do. A tip is something, it's a, a gratuity, it is something that is given for good service, um, and that is something that we should encourage uh, people to do, to be able to do. But to to use the tips to be able to, to get people to the wage that they should be making anyway for the hard work that they're doing is extremely problematic. And I do understand that, um, unfortunately, we're talking about uh, now hundreds of years 
of, of this sort of tradition and has been really ingrained. Mm -hmm. And you have really good restaurant owners who are just doing what has always been done and they definitely want to do best and by their workers. And I completely understand that. But again, if you look at the pandemic and the impact that it had uh, of this system, the flaws with this system, when people now didn't have restaurants to go to, they couldn't rely upon tips. And even after the restaurant industry had been rebounding, things are looking a lot different. The cost of food is higher. Prices are higher. There's still challenges for people who aren't necessarily coming back out to their restaurants in full force. And you have low wage people who are still reliant upon these salaries or these tips, yeah. but they're not getting the tips in the same uh, rates as they used to be. That's problematic. Let's bring Mario in. I understand you've got a different perspective on this. Uh, that's informed by the fact that you run restaurants, right? Yeah. So, so tell us more. What do you make of the legislation that's being considered right now in Springfield? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, it's too much, and it's too soon. You know, the and the right answer is to just leave it alone. And and I I find it to be poor legislation for a variety of reasons. I, I think. First, let, let's agree on something, and that is, I think my colleagues as well as myself would agree that the fair wage is absolutely, positively important. So we agree there for sure. And I'm proud to say that the median wage for tipped employees in the Chicagoland area, for example, is over $28 an hour. And I can testify to that because my servers in my environment make well over $30 an hour, and I'm really proud of that. And I might add that most of them are persons of color or minorities. So I'm really, really, really proud of that. But let me go further. The, the minimum wage has already been increased in the state of Illinois a dollar an hour since 19, 19 or rather, uh, was it... Uh, 2019, right? So for the last five years, it's gone from $8.25 to $14 an hour. That's just almost a 70% increase in minimum wage, which is okay. We, we bought it. We agree. We're good with that. But now we're talking about taking that minimum wage from eight, the, the tipped wage rather, from $8.40 to $14, like immediately, that's over a 65% increase. Now the problem with that, and here's the rub, is we can't afford it. And, and the only way we can afford it is by unfortunately finding ways to do work potentially mm -hmm. without servers. So you, you're saying, you're saying yeah. it's too much too soon, Absolutely. Mario. Are there any changes that you think could help uh, tipped workers without harming the overall business? Like maybe something that's not included in this bill and another approach? Yeah, I, 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 I don't have that answer. I, I really don't. Other than, as I mentioned earlier, to leave it alone and as is, but primarily because we find that the majority of service tipped employees, certainly in the city of Chicago, I can't speak for the, st the state of Illinois, has been closer to $28 an hour, if not over $28 an hour, which is pretty impressive. Um, so why bring them to $14 an hour? I, I'm, I'm struggling with that, right? And I get that the idea is to leave them at $14 and still accept tips. Well, the problem with that is the operator, it's not sustainable. Now, let me go further. Profits in restaurants are really quite low. We're talking three to 5%. That was before 2023. Let me tell you, inflation has absolutely bitten a lot of that off. And we're struggling with inflation, and now we have, we're dealing with higher wages. It's really, really difficult to stay in business, let alone, I would argue, convince people to want to do business in the city of Chicago as well as the state of Illinois under these circumstances. Yeah. I think it's a real tough sell. 
So just so we're clear, by law, if a, a tipped worker's tips don't bring them up to the uh, $14 state minimum wage, their employer is required to make up the difference. I want to hear your thoughts on that system, Audra, and, and whether you're hearing complaints, because I've heard some about wage theft, where employers aren't actually making up the difference when workers don't reach that minimum wage. Well, obviously, wage theft is a is a is a very specific issue um, and something that has to be very uh, carefully policed um, to make sure that the workers are getting the workers the the wages that they are due. I will say generally, and again, I appreciate the concerns as a restaurant owner, but there's a few, a few things that I want to point out. It's good to talk about the averages, but the fact of the matter is what we're talking about, and that is that there's eliminating the subminimum wage has been implemented in several states so far. And a lot of the concerns that have been raised preemptively, because before this has been passed, have really not come to bear. They have been able to see increases in productivity, there has not had, had nearly the impact as they have anticipated having. Many restaurants obviously um, have willingly participated. If you think about the One Fair Wage campaign, which is a national campaign to eliminate a sub-minimum wage, there's actually been a lot of discussion um, to how do we help those restaurants who want to actually step in and to pay their, their workers the wage that they do deserve. There have been initiatives like things like the uh, High Roads Kitchen to help smaller restaurant owners, and many of whom are minority owned, um, to be able to step up and help those workers and supplement them, recognizing some of the very things that Mario just mentioned about costs and um, you know increased costs that he would have to sort of incur to be able to pay workers um, what they are due. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very problematic to talk about leaving workers at talking about, because let's say you don't have a restaurant that is having the tips and the wages that are coming in that, that Mario is able to pay, which is great. I mean, that's, that sounds wonderful. And, but you're talking about an average of $7 an hour. You're talking about restaurants who don't have the sort of volume in the traffic um, that many other restaurants might have, including Mario's. So what happens to those individuals who are doing the same type of work? And this is talking, you're talking about very difficult work on your feet, long right. hours, uh, people, particularly women who are subjected to se sexual harassment. Um, it, sometimes it's an unfortunate reality in some of in service industries who, if they do not have the benefit of having a restaurant that has those higher wages, that has a lot of foot track, traffic as, as some more exclusive restaurants, they are making a lot less for the same amount of hard work. And that's what's problematic. We can't look at it by a, a restaurant by restaurant basis. You really have to look across the sector and across the industry yeah. and realize it, it is inequitable for people to be doing that same sort of very hard, very difficult work and not getting the same sort of pay for it, simply depending upon how popular your restaurant is and how much, you know, how many customers are coming right. in that can help offset that. Well, Mario, tell me this. Are you worried that you might lose customers if you have to raise the costs or add service charges? Like if the legislation were to pass, how would you expect that it would trickle down to your diners. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually more concerned about losing staff than I am losing guests. But let me answer your question on guests. Absolutely, because what's going to happen, and this is already happening, by the way, in California, Washington, D.C., is that the service experience in those areas has absolutely 
positively deteriorated. And that's a fact. So, and here's why, is because it's now forcing us operators to pivot and not necessarily in a favorable way because now I'm gonna have to find ways to do business with less people. Now that affects my staffing, it, it certainly affects my labor, but it also affects the guest experience. So the answer to your question is absolutely, yeah. it's going to affect the guest experience. Audra mentioned this earlier, food prices and, and, and restaurant prices, they've gone up significantly since the pandemic. Yeah. And inflation, we know that remains a persistent problem in, in our economy. What has that been like for your restaurants over oh, the past few years? It has been rough. We can't raise prices fast enough. Meanwhile, quite frankly, the grocery stores are eating my lunch, right? So instead of people going to restaurants, they're eating at home. This is a problem for us. And it, what's interesting is, you know, our food costs and beverage costs have remained relatively decent, but everything else has just skyrocketed. Energy, plates, everything we have to buy to operate a restaurant has just gone through the roof, which has really put a lot of pressure. So I'm going to go back to what I said originally. I'm asking that this be left alone. Now, to, I want to address uh, what Audra had said earlier about the staff that maybe isn't making $28 an hour. Right. Well, they are, in fact, guaranteed the minimum wage, which is in Chicago, $15 an hour and other markets, 14 So there, there is an element of responsibility that the operator has. Now, in terms of the poor actors out there that aren't paying their wage, I can't speak for them. Uh, I can, in fact, speak for all the others that I know in my orbit that are following the rules and appropriately and I think successfully. Yeah. Audra, $8.40, definitely not a wage that you can live on or raise a family on. I think that's, that's a fair point. Uh, but really, neither is $14 an hour, at least not in most, if not all, of the Chicago metro region, right? Yeah. Going beyond this debate that we're discussing today, what does a fair wage mean to you? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one and it's an easy one. Yes, a fair wage is, is and you've heard this uh, synonymous with a living wage. It is a wage that allows a family to be able to work um, your standard 35 or 40 hours a week to be able to cover their basic expenses, to not be spending more than 30% of their household income on, on rent or a mortgage. Um, to be able to afford childcare. And so when you're looking at different regions, um, that, that wage um, may end up being something, it could be closer to $20, it could be up to $25. We know that historically the federal minimum wage has been exceptionally low and it has not been indexed to inflation. So it has not grown in proportion to the, the rising costs of, of goods and services. And so, so that's already a problem and a challenge that we're having that I would agree with Mario that just knowing that already it's been indexed kind of low mm -hmm. for the value of the work that people are doing is a challenge. So sometimes we're having these discussions and it's not so much that we disagree, but rather we're kind of facing the reality that we face right now. Um, that people, $8 an hour is not sustainable for the work that people are doing. We're trying to find ways to, to, to fix that and to adjust for that. And yes, there are impacts on business owners. Yeah. Some of the conversations that we should have, especially that One Fair Wage has done, has been through programs like the High Roads Kitchen and others to help restaurants who do not have the capacity to be able to, to absorb this. Because let's be honest, there are some restaurants that are popular, they can absorb this. Right. And their customers do want to know that this is a restaurant that pays workers a fair wage. Um, and there are restaurants that have participated, even in the city of Chicago, and, and uh, minority-owned restaurants 
that have made that pledge and that commitment, even though it was a cost to themselves, but they felt it was important enough knowing that they're hiring directly from the community right. and knowing the importance of the community at least being able to have what we've established at our minimum wage of $15. And they have, you know, and, and they've weathered the storm. And they've come out on the other side. So I'm not suggesting at all that there aren't sacrifices. I'm not suggesting at all that there's going to be some period yeah. of adjustment. Well, I, I'd be curious to hear from you on that, yeah. Mario, real quick. A, a fair wage for restaurant work in this day and age. Yeah. What What is that? And does it vary depending on where you live and work? I, I think it does. And I, I don't have an exact answer for you uh, other than I'm proud of the fact that we pay our people well enough that the tenure... For our organization, it's about three to four years, which in the restaurant business is pretty long. Uh, I have some of the staff that have been with me for 10 years. Um, so, again, proud of that. Uh, I, I don't have the scientific data to, to back what, what would be the, the right number other than, again, the way things seem to be now seem to be working. And so to, 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 to break it, if you will, from yeah. my perspective, is really hurtful for us and harmful to us. And, and now we need to figure out how to pivot in order to make it work. And I'm asking that it not go through so that we can continue operating. And, and I'm not suggesting that we don't focus on the problem. Uh, let's, let's find other ways to focus on the problem. But the way it stands now, the way the laws are designed, we have to pay someone if they don't make that minimum wage of 14 or $15 an hour. And we're good with that. Yeah. The, this proposed change also comes at a time when a lot of consumers are annoyed or they're just plain confused about tipping. I've seen so many things out there on social media about this. I hear it just in my circles. Everywhere you go, post-pandemic especially, you're being asked to tip, right? What do you make of that change in our culture? And do you think that that comes to play at all in this debate? You first, Audra. I've thought about this a lot because I've seen the increase in tipping, even in places where we had never seen tipping before. Um, and and I would say, and this is more my personal opinion, I know and Mario as a, as a restaurant operator will have some thoughts about this. I worry that it is a bit exploitative for sectors that have not traditionally um, extended the opportunity for customers to tip to start to use that for the same reasons that I'm objecting to using it now for the restaurant industry um, as a way to supplement those rising costs. So in, in so knowing that they're not going to pass things off directly to their customer, but let's use this as a way you know, to encourage tipping so that they're not raising their rates for their employees. Mm -hmm. I cannot speak with, with certainty that that's exactly what is happening, but it is my fear where I'm seeing everything, even on the computer prompts from the software that they have that automatically say a tip, 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 and people feeling com compelled to on a $5 coffee that someone has served me that I'm supposed to be putting another dollar on top of that. So it is it a trend that I am concerned about? Yeah. And I'm wondering if it is meant to help offset some of the other pains that all um, kind of restaurant owners and business operators are feeling. Mario? Well, what's interesting is let's remember tipping is voluntary, right? It's voluntary. So people are voluntarily making these tips. The moment legislation like this passes, it's going to force the operator to demand a service charge on the check. Now, that's where I think it becomes more difficult and more complicated. And we're really trying to avoid that because I haven't met too many people that really like those service charges on their guest check. And so now all of a sudden it becomes mandated within the organization versus voluntary. And, and I think that's where th that's the rub.
Yeah, I just wanted to hear your, your opinions on that. We'll have to leave it there. We've been talking with Audra Wilson, who's president and CEO of the Shriver Center on Poverty Law, and Mario Ponce, who's owner of the Taquito Brand Restaurants in Lincoln Park, Wicker Park, and the West Loop. Now, lawmakers introduced the bill to abolish the lower minimum wage for tipped workers last week. So we'll keep you posted on what comes of it, and we'll probably talk to you two again. Audra and Mario, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. This conversation was produced by Andrea Guthman, and it was edited by Dan Tucker and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. Do you want more conversations like this? Well, don't forget to subscribe to the pod so that you never miss a new episode. We bring you conversations daily with an extra special podcast on Saturdays too. And if you want more Reset, check out our newsletter. We break down the latest stories and put events happening across the city on your radar. Does that sound like your cup of tea? Well, visit wbez.org slash Reset News. That's it for this episode. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.